Welcome to a special episode of At The Buzzer. I'm John Woods, and we'll kick it over to Jack and Sam in just a moment. First up, we have a segment with Sabatino Chen previewing tonight's game against Arizona. That's Monday night. After that, we kick it over to an interview we had with Burnt Orange Nation, the Texas Longhorns podcast. That segment was recorded last week before the tragic news of Utah freshman running back Ty Jordan's passing was public. Our thoughts and prayers go out to Jordan's family and friends and the entire University of Utah football program. Um, we wanted to put this note in the beginning to let everyone know about the timing uh, of the, that segment. I'll kick it over to Jack and Sam. Welcome back to our most special guest, uh, the namesake of the program itself. Um, at the buzzer, of course, we have the, the patron saint of Colorado basketball, Sabatino Chen back. Welcome back. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Always good to get back on the show. Yeah, it's, it's Arizona week is what that means. We're <laughs> playing at Arizona, um, and we like to relive our most painful moments uh, and the same, in the same <laughs> podcast space together. So we always like to we – and we like to have you back just to make it a little less painful for us. <laughs> No, I'm glad. Thanks for thanks for always bringing it up. It's good to refresh my memory. <laughs> yeah, you, you made um, the shot. It should be it should be a happy memory. Well, <laughs> we all think it should be a happy memory, except for uh, three old dudes in in striped shirts down in Tucson, and a low def TV. Um, so I went back through a little bit. I was just checking in on uh, your Twitter, and I was I was checking. Did you ever get a PS Five? Did you end up getting one? No, I didn't. I, I haven't had a console since uh, I was actually in Taiwan, so it's been a while. Oh, yeah? What did you have in Taiwan? Uh, it was PS4. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> That's a weird little through line. My cousin just moved back to Taiwan uh, during the pandemic, and I guess they set you up with like two weeks worth of noodles and just set you up in a quarantine hotel. Um, and after that is like free open season because they haven't had a, they haven't had a case of COVID in about 200 days naturalized. So it was, yeah, it was, was crazy. I was looking at my, uh, like some old teammates that are playing in the league. They're still in like the pack stadiums. It's like, Oh really? Yeah. Like nothing different over there. That's so crazy, man. Wow. <laughs> it's cause they took it seriously. Yeah, man. exactly. <laughs> so this is a nice little segue, I guess. I don't know how many teams are in the Taiwanese basketball league. Is it, I would guess four. Is it more than that? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's changed. When I was there, it was seven. Oh, um, nice. Now I, I, it's hard to keep up. Now I think there's like two leagues there actually. So I'm not, I'm, and like two, some Taiwan teams are playing in this league called the ABL, like the Asian basketball league that stands for like Southeast Asia. So, um, yeah, I'm not and you were in the, there, but when I was there, it was for there were seven teams. And you were in the Super Basketball League. Yep, yep, the SBL, yeah, Super Basketball League. <laughs> oh, that's oh, sick. Man. These are great team names. What team did you play for again? Uh, my first two years, I was on the Yulon Dinos, and then my oh hell yeah, <laughs> my my third year, we were the Fubon Braves. Okay. 
how do I go about finding a Yulon Dinos jersey, for example? Uh, I would recommend the Fubon Braves jersey. They have way better <laughs> colorways and designs. The Yulon, they're more traditional, just like old no. school. <laughs> Tons so of like sponsorship logos all over the jersey. But uh, well, hang on. What what number did you wear? Um, Yulon has number six, and then uh, has I can't five. wear number six. No, I can't do that. <laughs> Wow. Okay, I like I, these brave jerseys. They're pretty nice. I have an issue. I have to go on a six month. Uh, I'm not allowed to buy any more jerseys for six months because I need to chill out. I just bought a UCLA Russell Westbrook jersey, and I need to stop. Okay. Nice. Are you a jersey guy, Sabatino? Uh, I wasn't, but it's funny you brought that up. Like uh, one of my buddies from high school, we started. We or some of my friends from high school, we started this thing last year where we each like send each other our top three jerseys we would want for Christmas, and then we get. Oh, that's sick! Um, so last year I got a Nuggets Jokic Nuggets jersey, and this year I got a new the Lakers City Edition LeBron jersey. I'm pumped about that. Oh, is the city edition oh the, the the white with the blue script or no? Am I making? Yeah, that? yeah, the white. Yep, this year's city edition. Nice. Those are gorgeous. Have you guys seen the Spurs jerseys for this year? Yeah, um, those are good. No, I just I did see that uh, fellow CU alum Derek White can afford plenty of those though. He can afford lots of jerseys now. <laughs> he assigned for yeah. four years. Big four time. years, eighty million. Yes, something like that. Yeah, so, you went to the, eighty million. You went to the wrong professional league. <laughs> yeah, my, my deal was not as lucrative as that. <laughs> hey, well, so, so during this time, I, I looked it up. I just found out OJ Mayo is currently playing in the Taiwanese Basketball League. So maybe yeah, he went he went to Fubon after I was there. Uh, oh, my oh, God. Damn. I was hoping to, that you that there was paths yeah. crossed there. No, my paths crossed with the – I'm buddies with Jeremy Lin's little brother. We were teammates. And he's still doing well over there. Oh, oh nice. Uh, Have you met Jeremy Lin? I didn't get to meet him. He, I think, he was always like during his season at the same time. And then like off season, I'd always just go home. So paths never crossed. Well, so, um, my clumsy segue have, is going to be the... Uh, I have questions. Wait, <laughs> okay, I have questions. Fine, fine. You, you know, that, this is even more clumsy. <laughs> All right. You can just barge right in. I, I am so curious. Just how like just overseas basketball works, especially if you're not like playing in like Spain or like I I I just don't know how like teams I guess I guess you how you find a team after you graduate. Like I know like Shane Harris Thomas just like went to like Tasmania and they like he just played for in the National Basketball League there. But how how does it work? Like do teams find you or do you find teams or is there do you have an agent who finds teams? Like, how does the, everything work? Yeah, generally, you'll you'll you always just first sign with the age, like find an agent, and sign with the agent. Um, so I had, like people reaching out to me. Uh, it's a little different. Like, people reach out to you obviously if like you have a really good college career, like can easily go top league Spain or something like that. Um, or they reach out to guys like me. I was getting reached out to a bunch of like uh asian agents who were like trying to help me play over there just because like my heritage like i'm uh back my i'm like half chinese so they were uh, my agent helped me like apply for my taiwanese passport and everything so basically i wouldn't count um, 
as an import player. Oh, that makes sense. So that's yeah, why, so like, like, every team can have a certain amount of import players. So, like, Taiwan was only only allowed one. Um, so, yeah, if you're considered a local, it's a huge advantage because then it's like me and Jeremy Lin's brother, we were both considered locals, even though we played, like, he played Division Three. Um, so they would they were able to sign me and him, and then they get, like, an import player, which is usually, like, an ex-NBA player. So they had, like, three Americans on the court. And that's why that's why a lot of players go for like some random nationality, like Andre Blatt being Filipino. Yep, yeah, exactly. Um, it just makes it easier, and then your like market value just basically goes up uh, versus you competing with like other Americans for the American spot. Wow. Okay. No, that's cool. That is so super fascinating. Yeah. Um, I also have so. I was reading that there was a story in The Athletic about all these players who don't quite make it to the NBA and then they go overseas. And then once they get there, it's like a whole ordeal that if you're not like on a top team, you might like might not get paid or like a team might go bankrupt and you just never get your money or like, like yeah, players are some... forced to play injured. Yeah. Yeah, uh, like basically what every reads true. Um, but I, I didn't get to experience that. Like you, my right now, my experience is like Asian basketball. They're pretty well with paying on time. Um, yeah, I, I think they. you have to just be careful with like your contract and like because any team will look for loopholes. Like if you're injured, um, they'll try to get you to sign something in a different language. And then that like if you don't read it like you could forfeit like any pay because you're not playing. Um, I remember Austin default had some crazy stories. He was playing in some really like Eastern European country. And like, he told me he like got paid in cash, like three, like a month and a half late. Like a guy just drove up to him and gave him like a bag of cash. Like, I don't know. You hear, oh like, my God. Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> there was a, uh, I do remember there's a story in Vic Patino that one year that Vic Patino coached um, in the Greek basketball league. He coached the Olympiacos team. And I guess similar to what you were saying, the owner just had like total control over the player contracts. So he would just like walk up to, he would basically just by himself just be like, you know, bags of cash or whatever is super liquid. It's like, Hey, I'm going to pay you this much to play this game. Are you cool with that? And some people would say like, yeah, sure. And some people would say, no, I don't think so. And so they just have a different lineup, like every few games or something crazy. It was a yeah, wild I heard story. That too. I also heard just like, owners coming on the bus and just offering like a bonus if they they win that game like up front and, i don't know you hear all kinds of stuff wow did what did you hear any other stories from like other teammates that you played with or like at cu or after um i've, I've just heard like stories how they can basically like if you're not careful with your contract like um they can cut you at will at like any moment, basically, depending on how your contract set up. So like, um, I know Carlin actually, he was telling me his first year overseas, I think he was like Israel or somewhere over there. Um, yeah. when he got there, they said he went with his wife and they just set him up in like the worst like living situation when it was supposed to be like a furnished, like, well, kept, like a normal like apartment. Oh, for no. them. Um, so yeah, things like that where, um luckily i think he had some pull because he's like one of their best players so he could like get out of that but it's kind of tough like it's a weird dynamic if you're not performing the team's like less inclined to 
I don't know, help you out and abide by their contracts in some situations. But um, yeah, you definitely hear a lot of horror stories like that. But my experience always, like what I heard from my teammates that came over, like the imports we would get, like usually China, Asia, like the Asian basketball leagues are pretty good about paying on time and stuff like that. Um, so I never dealt with any of those issues myself, but luckily. <laughs> I believe isn't Josh Scott still playing in in Japan? Is that correct? I think I think he was. Yeah, yep. He went back to Japan. Uh, he's yeah. He's ha- he's doing well over there. Japan's. I heard Japan's always a good league. So, I mean, I, he, if he lived he in like, the, Tokyo, that'd be that'd be sweet. Being able to play basketball for money in in Tokyo would be pretty nice. I think he's in uh, Okinawa. I mean, I'm not going to be that picky. No one's offering me that, <laughs> but man, that'd be a nice spot to be. You'll go <laughs> anywhere, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh no, he's not. He's not in Okinawa anymore. He plays for a different team. Um. <laughs> I yeah. mean, man. So Sam, I don't know if you have any more um, professional questions. I'm, I'm sure you do. But I'm, I'm also chopping on the bit to talk about some CU stuff. Yeah, please do. Yeah, I, I could ask. Too many questions about overseas basketball. <laughs> um, well, uh, I guess we'll travel back over the Pacific Ocean to the friendly confines of the United States here. Um, to, I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm still going to shoehorn in my segue because I was so proud of it. The last jersey I got, um, I believe the only jersey I own now, is a, a throwback Colorado Buffaloes Chauncey Billups jersey that CU recently started nice. selling this year. Um, and that means it's time to talk about uh, this team, who I think – I don't think they'll wear throwbacks this year. I think that might have been a last-year thing. At they should wear the throwbacks. <clears throat> um, yeah, I wish I had a chance to wear those. <laughs> they're gorgeous. <laughs> I think, uh, Sabatino, did you play under the new – the brand-new Nike? Did you get the jersey refreshes while you were there, or is that after you left? Uh I think that might be after we left because I don't remember them being like anything special. I just remember like we had gray alternates that I always liked wearing. Those were cool. Yeah, they've gone away from some of the gray alternates. I'm trying to remember. They might wear them one game a year now, but um, they always seem to look nice. I do remember they, they bust them out for Oregon sometimes, which uh, mm-hmm. always goes well. They they wore their green one or their gray ones in their season debut, actually. This year? Yeah, the home opener. Nice. I don't well, like those at all. Really? <laughs> yeah, I think they're ugly. Oh man, I like them a lot. I I think they look better than the. I think my least favorite are probably the white. But, anyways, um, <laughs> <laughs> so CU's playing Arizona on um the twenty eighth, and Monday. I both teams. This is the the least where we've seen both teams uh, in a conference matchup ever so only they only have about six or seven games under the belt and luckily both of them seem to be relatively healthy this year which is a a um rarity during covid so we should see both teams at full strength coming in um but this is a different sean miller team than normal i guess i had a quick question overall i think i'm i'm sure tad has adjusted stuff um as his time has gone on but and did he ever change the way he prepped for games if he found that they were bigger or like a quote rivalry game, or was it always the same prep no matter what? Um, yeah, no, I can't 
different thing. Like besides, like just may, uh, he'd maybe just tweak like a lineup when I was there. I remember like me and Xavier Johnson would be kind of um, switching who would start based on like the if it was like a bigger size team, they'd usually start um, XJ over me, and then if it's more, I guess regular size team, mm-hmm. I could be the starter. But uh, as far as like prep and practice goes, now he's pretty. He's pretty disciplined on his routine and everything on how he sets up practice and film and schedule. So. Okay. Yeah, I don't I, know this year though with like COVID and everything like that. <laughs> I don't know. If he's had to like just probably wing stuff on the fly with rotation and players being available. So not too sure about that. Yeah, he's he's mentioned some a little bit about um, film. I guess the way that he's he's done it is is different. Assistant coaches take the scouting responsibilities for for the teams in advance. Um, but with the like, ridiculous schedule changes, they just basically threw that out the window so far. And they just said, like, oh, okay. hey, whatever, whoever you can watch, because, uh, for example, they played Tennessee with maybe 24 hours notice, 36 hours notice. Wow. So they were just like, eh, yeah, well, well, whoever can watch, please watch. And, like, we'll prep as much as we can. But after that, you basically just roll the ball out. Sabatino, okay. how close, yeah. speaking of that Tennessee game and how Nate Tomlinson back-channeled it, did you get to spend <laughs> much time with Nate? Like re- recently, or well, like during your like your time at CU, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I was there. Yeah, like well, I was there two years. He was there my redshirt year, and then I played with him his senior year. Um, and then we, yeah, we've been we were close. Then like, and then now we we still stay in touch. Uh, he lives like right up in Westminster, I believe. So. Oh, that's sick. Does he talk a lot yeah. of trash? I feel like he does. He talks trash on the sideline. I can see it. Oh yeah, huge, huge <laughs> trash talker. <laughs> I love that so much. Oh yeah, he's not afraid to speak his mind at all. So. Yeah, you always seem pretty confident. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I think this year, what's fun for me is um, looking at some of the roster makeup. There's a guy on the team, Eli Parquet. That reminds me in some ways of the role that you played um, on the years that you were on CU. He Last game, he was one of the most important players on the team, um, despite not taking a single shot. And I, I think that's that's similar to what we saw coming out of you uh, through some games. And I guess, it, you know, he just constantly has defensive intensity, team-first basketball, and um, he's open when he can be, and he, and, he, and he cuts, but he doesn't necessarily need the ball in his hands to be successful in the game. I just wanted to, I guess, take talk through, like, how do you stay engaged if you're not necessarily – is it even a mentality of, like, I don't need the ball to score? Is it something that you don't even think about having the ball at all and you're just thinking, I got to excel in my role? I was, I was at, wondering about, like, off ball, how to, how to play great basketball even without, like, needing the ball or wanting to score all the time. Yeah, I mean, it, it really comes down to just understanding your role, like – and realizing like what can you do to make, help your team win that at, at the end of the day if you just want to win you're going to do whatever it takes um I, I was lucky to be around some really good offensive players so i realized like i was probably not one of the top options and i would rather have like spencer or, or skia shooting the ball um and, but i knew my role would be like yeah like you mentioned defense cutting just doing hustle plays um and yeah, at the end of the day, that's what you, if that's what you gotta do to win, and that's how you stay engaged. Um, you 
you also don't want to get benched for taking some <laughs> poor questionable shots and not playing defense. So that also has some good motivation. <laughs> Did we see anybody get benched for taking those shots? All time? I, uh, absolutely, I think. <laughs> but I don't yeah, know. I, I mean, I, I don't think Coach Boyle's that quick to just yank someone. But I, I, if you do something kind of uncharacteristic, like, I don't know, just not like – you're not a three-point shooter. Your percentages <laughs> shows that you're not a good three-point shooter, and you just take like a quick five seconds in the shot clock contested three. He's probably going to be really upset about that. You didn't. You never played with Dustin Thomas. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, I well, I guess this the, the that would lead into my next question, which is basically I I feel like the cardinal sin in tab oil basketball is giving up a offensive rebound off of a free throw. Would you? Is that is that like the main thing that pisses him off? Yeah, that's that's <laughs> up there. I think that's I think any coach would be that. But yeah, that that um, he's also like if you blow a help side rotation, that really oh interesting. He's not happy about that. Um, take, be like stepping into like bailing him when he could have easily taken a charge. That was a big one. Also, oh really? Oh, I know. I know you haven't watched that much this season. But when you do watch, oh my goodness, this team defense is so good. I think you would really enjoy it. How the rotations, how tight everything is. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely a lot of charges. Nice, yeah, I yeah, I haven't been able to watch as much late. I I was watching. I watched their first couple games, and then I think with all the postponements, and then the Tennessee. I didn't even know they're playing. Like, yeah, they, that Tennessee game, I couldn't even find it, and it was mm-hmm. probably scheduled super late. Um, it was all yeah, like no, I, what I have plus. seen, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I couldn't. I was trying to find that. I couldn't get subscribed quick enough. <laughs> <laughs> but um, now, what I did, what I have seen, especially those first couple games, I was impressed because, like, uh, I remember Schwartz. He was on. He couldn't play because of COVID, and then mm-hmm. a couple guys after that also couldn't play. But yeah, they they all seemed to buy in on defense, and that Tag can go kind of deep in his bench early, which is good. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's interesting because I and Sam has lorded this over my head. Um, I didn't think they would be able to rebound after losing a talent like Tyler Bay so so quickly. Um, but I think mm-hmm. this defense is actually a little saltier than last year's, partially because there is. I, I think Sam, what you said is partially right. I think it's they have there is no ultimate bailout, which I think Tyler Bay could be at times. You know, he's so athletic, right. he can cover so much space. There's <laughs> no one's missing rotations. Everyone's always there to take a charge, like Evan Batty, for instance, or um, to close out early. And basically, we're seeing really long shot clocks on defense, which I I know um, gets me a little nervous. But in the end, you just they're forcing bad shots through pure like unselfish defense, which is just I mean, it's just beautiful to watch. No, yeah, that that's great. Like I'm sure Tad loves that because. That's his whole staple about playing D. If he can't play D, he, he, yeah, he can't. You don't have a chance to beat anyone. <laughs> um, well, I just want to throw out some numbers real quick. Talking about the CU Arizona game, um, and Sam, feel free to add some of your own too. But speaking a little bit to that possession length, CU is. Hold on, how many D one teams are there in the country? Three hundred and thirty one. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, CU is third to last in average possession length, meaning that they have the third longest possessions on defense. So they're averaging 19 seconds on the shot clock, 
um, through seven games, which I think is just crazy. Um, and wow. Arizona is also up there. They're averaging 18 seconds on the shot clock. So neither of these teams are really giving up quick looks. Um, and that also means that they're playing, I think, great transition D because there's obviously not a lot of fast break opportunities yeah. um, on either side. Sam, anything else to just, jump out to you? Yeah, I, I'm looking that the Denver Pioneers are ranked 327th on Kempom. Ouch. And Overall? Yeah, they're oh, wow. they're one in six and they beat Regis. <laughs> I didn't know Regis had a team. Well, they're not D one. Oh, okay. Well, they're, they're, D- <laughs> they're yeah, R, they're R Mac. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Well, I thought I thought Santino would care about that. No, I, I they're not considered my alma mater. So. <laughs> no, I know oh, okay. they're they're not mine either. I just... <laughs> That's right. I forgot you transferred from DU, Sam. Yeah. I did as as well two years there. That's right. Yeah, I yeah. interviewed your your old coach and asked him about you, and he he only had nice things to say. Is that Joe Scott? Yeah. Nice things to say nice. after I saw him cuss out his whole team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and wow, look at that! Ronnie Billups is the coach there still, and he has Frank Ryder, who was up at CU last year. Oh man! Is oh no, he transferred. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Well, hope they can turn it around. Looks like they're missing Tory Miller, I think, just graduated finally last two years. So, man, 327. That's not great. Okay, no. So, the only thoughts I really have on CU that we haven't gone over with this game, I, I'm just pretty confident. I, I feel as confident as I could be heading at Arizona. Mm-hmm. I see this CU team as having this, like, fantastic defense. And, like, we talked about last time on the pod about, like, the free throw rate that they they can get points even if they're not shooting well. Mm -hmm. And I think that those two things can mean that this team travels really well, especially if they're focused. I also see this Arizona team as just, like, really young, as they always are, but they don't have quite the talent that they used to have. I don't know. Yeah, and I think to – try to bridge the gap a little bit. I think the interesting thing is, too, this Arizona team is ripe for some zone defense played against them just because I, I don't think they could exploit that. And that's something that Tab Boyle has added more and more every year, um, including this year. I, I think he played the majority of the Kansas State game in zone and a few other games. He's really comfortable um, so far with his personnel, putting them in zone. Tennessee got flummoxed with the zone. That's right, yeah. Something that didn't happen, I think, early in his tenure that much no i don't think i don't remember ever playing much zone (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i just remember used to be really dogmatic um in interviews especially and just saying that the man-to-man defense if you can't play man-to-man then it's it's bad sign going forward um for for your team you'd say base zone is a way i think to mitigate some weaknesses but also i think he didn't want to use it as a crutch um and I think this year he's comfortable with this team man-to-man, but he also knows that that zone can really help against some teams that maybe can't shoot the ball very well. And outside of one player, I don't think Arizona can shoot the ball very well this year. Who's that one player? Uh, there's a guy named Jamal. Jamarl. Oh, geez. G- J-E-M-A-R-L. <laughs> Jamarl, right? Yes. yes Baker. Jamal Baker. Um, who just explodes some games and then just is absent others. So, um, for instance, last the game against Stanford, he he's the only way they were kept in that game. He went eight of thirteen from the three point line, which is oh just God. disgusting. <laughs> um, 
and at that point, it's like I don't even know what you do on defense because I, ha- I mean, had to imagine he was just, just he was just super hot. Um, but besides that, they really don't have a lot of players that can shoot consistently with volume. Um, if a European man, Azulis Tubalius, who's a freshman who likes to shoot corner threes, uh, but he's not that great at him. And then their other volume shooter, James Akinjo, is eleven to thirty-six so far in the year. So really. Um, I'm just putting money in Jamal Baker trying to shoot them out if, if they do get into a slump. And I don't think that CU will be as um, – I, I don't think they'll be soft enough for that to be exploited for a win. Do you think it's a CU win? I don't know. So, I don't know, Sabatino, <laughs> if, you, if you look at Ken Palm at all, if you, if, if you know if, if any advanced stat stuff. Um, but currently they're projecting a one-point Arizona win – and that's with a home court advantage. And I don't know if that's with like COVID home court advantage because this is going to be an empty McHale center. Um, right. As, yeah. As yeah I was been just there. looking at the line. It's uh, my plus one for CU. Oh, is it really? Okay. Oh, wow. And I guess all yeah, of us can bet legally on that game now. <laughs> right. Um, I, so that's 15,000 fans gone from the arena. And I guess you would obviously know way more than I do. I, I'm sure that makes a difference in the atmosphere, especially at McHale. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, I, was, I mean, from that game that where my shot was, like, even before that, we were blowing, like, a 12, 15-point lead and just the <laughs> crowd just letting us have it. Um, so, yeah, yeah it's, it's weird to think about this year, mm-hmm. like, playing road games, how it's might just feel like a, just any other neutral court site, basically. Do you think you would shoot better if you didn't hear the U of A chant? Do you, do you think that would help a team? <laughs> I feel like that just not hearing that chant would help a team. I think it would have definitely been easier to make some free throws. At the end, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> that is my I, maybe my least favorite chant in sports. I, I really don't like the, that U of A chant. It just it's so It gets so loud, and it's such a boring chant. I don't know. It, it frustrates me. I went to that game last year to see you at Arizona game um, in, in January last year. And it was, it was just frustrating because any run was extended by that chant over the entire timeout for two minutes. And it, it was just crazy to me yeah. that everyone would chant that for so long. It was wild. That, that the worst thing was crazy. The worst thing was when all the Arizona fans would come to the Coors event center and do the chant. And then when, if they yeah, were winning, they'd that always have their suck. little, they'd always have their little <laughs> section. And Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was good some years, though. It was it was nice to send them back in. Oh, no, it was great when we upset <laughs> and stormed the court. Um, yeah, so it's supposed to be a t- tightly contested game in terms of um, what Ken Palm sees these teams. And I don't know if – I think he's factoring in more home court advantage than I would. Um, I don't know. The more I look at this, the CU team and I just watch that Stanford-Arizona game, uh, Arizona's weak inside, uncharacteristically so, for a Sean Miller team. They don't really have that Caleb Tarzuski. They don't really have that even that Zeke Naji uh, last year. Uh, I guess new Denver Nuggets Zeke Naji, right? Yeah, Naji killed us yeah. last year. That sucked. Um, yeah, they had three guys go drafted, right? It was Naji, yeah, Josh Nico Green, Manion. and Nico Mannion. Nico, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so they're reloading. James Akinjo is pretty good at, at lead guard, but they really don't have that enforcer that I'm that at least I would be scared of inside. Um, Ira Lee is somehow still there for his sixth year, and he's pretty bouncy. Um, that guy sucks. 
I think so too, but he's still, <laughs> I, I don't know. He's still used quite often at, at six, eight though. I think even Dallas Walton can, can exploit some of that. Um, especially cause he's been shooting so well at the start of the year. I think Tab Boyle's insistence on running the offense inside out is going to help him a lot this game. I, I think they're not going to fall in love with any outside shots and they're going to be able to exploit a pretty soft inside. Um, yeah, how's Dallas looked? I've heard he's been playing well. Sam, no, he's I, been, yeah. he, he's been really good. Nice. It, it's just nice to see him healthy and everything after that is a bonus. Um, yeah. But he's, he's shooting – yeah, what's he shooting? It's Let's see. He's shooting – that's right. 90% on free throws, 75% <laughs> on two-pointers, and 56% on threes. So, like, he just doesn't go. miss right now. And he, he has such a slow shot, and no one covers him yet on the three-point line, that um, it, it, it just goes in every time. It's, it's fun to watch because they'll just leave him alone for about three seconds as he hoists that thing up there, and it goes in. <clears throat> So, I, I guess I'm predicting a short CU win, a, a slight CU win. What about you, slight. Sam? I'm going I, – I, I'm not – I don't trust Arizona right now. <laughs> Obviously, we're going to see some talent players, and I, I can't say I've watched Arizona play this year. I don't really watch them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think it's a win. I am going to go with a five-point CU win. Um, all right, and I think our, the, the last prediction goes to our guest. Is the shot good? <laughs> I will. I've been doing a lot of sports betting, so I'll def. I'll take the points on C, the one point on CU for Plus sure. One, nine. Yeah, yeah, that's a road good value. game with with no fans. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen this game. All right. Now the real question: Are you taking CU over Texas in the Alamo Bowl? Uh, do you know what the line is in that one? Yeah, like Texas is twelve point favorites. Oof! Oh, yeah, it's it's a little it's a little sharp for that's me. It. I don't know. That's a tough one. I'm not big college football guy, but uh, yeah, I think I'll. I would <laughs> oh, interesting. Money down on CU there for sure. What do you um? Are you are you an NBA better an NFL guy? Uh yeah, I definitely follow NBA and NFL more. Um, usually, I would follow college basketball more. This year, I need to step my game up for sure well it's, it's been, been a weird start it's been a weird start <laughs> just watch just watch see you in gonzaga in tennessee that's all you gotta do <laughs> there you go i'll yeah. definitely have to tune in tomorrow though oh man yeah i i think That's this is a, a yeah i think it's a primetime game and i think we're on yeah. the primetime network um oh geez i need to there we go i was looking at the wrong day yeah we're on should be Fox Sports. Oh, it's Pac-12. Wow, Pac-12. That's a good pull. <laughs> I should have known better. Um, 7.30, Pac-12. And I'm seeing on my on my uh, app, I'm seeing two-point Arizona favorites. Line has moved up. Oh. So that's definitely some va- – I don't mm, – hmm. I don't know. That's a little too – I don't know where they're getting that confidence in the Arizona team. Keep uh, giving us points. Yeah. I believe CU has covered every game this year except for Tennessee. Mm. I think that's the only game they haven't covered, um, which makes sense because Tennessee's really good. But they uh, in both sports, CU's great against the spread. So I have a question. Do you guys know how, like, the whole, like, COVID, everything's working in college basketball? Is it similar to, like, NFL or 
NBA protocol, like if someone gets a positive test or if they're around someone anywhere that gets a positive test, that's how they're like holding guys out and stuff. Yeah, so there is um, contact tracing with with okay. withholds, and there's also obviously positive test withholds. So when Deshaun Schwartz tested positive, um, the contact tracing, I think they partition all the travel in the hotel rooms so that when you do contact trace, you don't have to, you know, pull the whole team out. Um, right. So I, so when Deshaun Schwartz tested positive, Keyshawn Bartholomew and Tristan Silver were held out for contact tracing reasons. Cause they were, I think, rooming with, with Deshaun Schwartz. So um, similar to college football, they're testing every day. Um, and they're also, uh, I, I guess, I think it's a, for the Pac-12, it's um, 14 days. It might, it, they might've shortened that as the CDC shortened their recommendation, but we're seeing a lot more um, contact tracing withholds than the actual positive test so far, which is a good sign because you'd rather have you okay. know, contact tracing. Yeah. Infections, man. What a weird year. I can't even. That'd be so. It's just weird to think about how that would be when I was playing. Just one game, you could just be not playing that week or for two weeks. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sure. It also, just completely changes travel. Just I. It would be so strange to not be able to like really be with your teammates for that long unless you're on the court. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, man. Um. But I guess the show goes on, um, and we're, we're, I guess we're happy for it. So CU basketball continues to stay healthy, which is great. Sabatino, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. That was fun. Yeah, shots good. <laughs> yeah, so we've got uh, in our tradition – some friends over uh, from Ralphie Report, uh, Jack and Sam, are joining us today to talk Colorado. Going to have a good conversation with them. We'll obviously uh, get a little weird at the end because that's what we do. We'll jump into after that to the burn orange lenses. And then, as always, on Thursday, we'll close you out with the Godzilla-tron. So it's a quick turnaround on our preview show. We normally like to have a little bit more breathing space. But you know what? Um, when so Texas- Tom Herman. Well, yeah, so it's Tom Herman. But, uh, you know, when uh, when your last game gets canceled because of COVID, because the team officially gave up on the season, um, we have quick turnarounds to bowl games. So we are here to talk some Alamo Bowl with our friends Samuel and Jack from the Ralphie Report on here to help us preview the Colorado Buffaloes. Fellas, how are you doing tonight? Great, man. Our last game was canceled, not because we weren't trying to play, but because Oregon uh, had to move up to the Pac-12 championship, and we saw how that turned out. So, same here. We were idle. <laughs> that was the weirdest situation that I think I've ever seen. Is like what, what was the tweet that they basically parked a bus halfway between locations just in case? Was that was that the was that real? Or was that trolling? Like, I need I need some info. I no, think that, that was, was real. real. Wow. Yeah. They don't know yeah. exactly where it was, but basically, I think yeah, it was like St. George, Utah. Is that true? Okay, I knew <laughs> I it was somewhere so. around there. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, I heard it's so, beautiful. Yeah, the Buffs were in LA just in case USC wasn't able to play in the Pac-12 championship, and that the Buffs would have had to fill in last minute to go play Oregon. Really weird situation. The Pac-12 was clearly no leadership, no structure. You know, it's interesting, USC. Um, if CU played USC when it was scheduled, it was possible that CU would be in that championship game. But then they had COVID issues, so they had to cancel. 
Um, and then a strange turn of events, they they were completely healthy in the Pac-12 championship game, which means that CU had to cancel another game. So no matter if USC is healthy or sick, uh, CU can't play. So yeah, now we're excited to, to actually play a football game. <laughs> so it seems like uh, USC has kind of like in the Pac-12, what everybody feels about Texas and the Big 12 is just like can't kind of can't stand them a little bit. Is that is that the vibe I'm catching here? I personally can't stand them because CU can't beat them. They, they're all time zero and fourteen, I think, against USC. So um, that's 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 the main reason why I don't like them. It's because they can't lose. Yeah, we have a yeah. good basketball rivalry with them because our coaches hate each other. But otherwise, I don't think we've been in the Pac-12 long enough to really hate USC for their dominance because we didn't come in when they were hot. But like the other teams of Pac-10, the former Pac-10, surely hate them for those reasons. We just don't know yet. But Sam, isn't that why it's more annoying? Because it they aren't that good, and yet they still can't lose to see you. I feel like that's why it's annoying the most. But well, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. We 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 hate them <laughs> because we can't beat them. But that's the only reason, really. Fair. Well, s- speaking of can't beat, uh, I think we should probably jump in and take a look at um, the game that we're looking ahead to. Obviously, you will be coming to the great state of Texas in the Alamo Bowl. Dear listeners, if you weren't uh, paying attention this weekend on Sunday, it was announced the Alamo Bowl will be the University of Texas Longhorns versus the, the Colorado uh, Buffalo. And is Ralphie traveling? Do we know that? Is Ralphie coming to? We're actually in between years on Ralphie. They just went from uh... Ralphie 5 and they had her retire. And they were supposed to have a Ralphie 6, but because uh, fans haven't been able to attend. Gotcha. They just they're okay, transitioning so into the next the, one. The two best live mascots. I mean, that's what I was going to say, really. The two best live mascots in, in college football, Bevo and Ralphie. But obviously, we now know Bevo by default will reign supreme in the bowl. We're here to talk <laughs> uh, to our friends from Ralphie Report about whether or not that will be the same for the University of Texas football team. So, Gerald, why don't you get us started? We want to dive in and, and take a look at the football side of things. Yeah, so... You know, when you look at Colorado, and again, this is outside looking in, I'll be really honest with you, I've got two kids, so I normally don't stay up late enough to catch many Pac-12 games, just going to be really honest <laughs> with you at this point in my life. Um, but they, they look like a team that like is helmed predominantly by their offense. The offense kind of sets the pace um, for, for better or for worse, I guess, if you look at like the Utah game, when you look at how that turned out. But you know they've got they've got Sam Neuer, a quarterback who has been good in spots, been bad in spots. So what like what is the expectation for the passing game? You've got uh, Dimitri Stanley. You've got kind of a trio. You've got uh, another Chenault, which uh, Lavishka is, is currently on my fantasy team, and thank you for that. Uh, and then Brendan Rice is kind of the, the triple headed monster. It's like what's the what's the expectation? What is what does CU bring to the table as far as uh, offensively and in, in, in the through the air specifically? Uh, well, and yeah, it's a good question. It's been off and on. So, um, Sam Neuer, who you mentioned, it was a <laughs> quarterback converted safety last year, converted quarterback this year, uh, after grad transferring. So, um, we Where didn't know we? what to expect. Uh, yeah, it definitely, he, he put his name in the portal. They convinced him back and he won the job outright. Um, and early in the beginning of the season, it, it was easy to see why. So, as you mentioned, the, the team was basically governed by its offense, and they were really rolling, especially early on. So, um, you know, it's going to be it's, – it's tough that he likes to hit the middle of the field a lot, and that's been hard these past few weeks, especially with the absence of a few tight ends um, due to injury and, and some other pacing issues. So it's really slowed down recently. But um, 
they like tempo a little bit and they like to hit the middle of the field as, as often as they can. Um, and, and Sam Neuer hits some of those receivers on, on slants like Demetri Stanley. But recently it's, it's just been, it's been tough sledding through the air. I think Sam, do you, I don't know if you have anything to add there. Yeah. Yeah. Sam Neuer, he just, he sprained his AC joint in his right shoulder. So he's going to be spending the next couple of weeks recovering. So we really don't know how healthy he's going to be because he just got hurt against Utah. Um, but yeah, this, I think the offense really relies on Jarek Broussard getting out in space on runs because we're, we're pretty dependent on those long runs. He had, I think three runs over 50 yards when we beat Arizona and we needed all of those runs. So it's, it's a little sketchy how big play dependent the CU offense is because we can't really sustain long drives. And you mentioned, you know, that you have the kind of Joel Lanning, if you remember the Iowa state linebacker turned quarterback, uh, the, the inverse, but, what that says is he's averaging an interception a game is that at least you know you have a last line of defense, sure tackler, in the event if Texas uh, secondary is able to get their hands on one of those passes. And, you know, that's that's not for nothing uh, whatsoever. Oh, no. <laughs> he, he lights people up. He's a, he loves to run, and he's really physical. And every once in a while, a defensive back thinks that he's going to slide, and then he gets popped in the shoulder, like popped by Sam Neuer. We... we, we... <laughs> We like quarterbacks named Sam who aren't afraid to lower their shoulder, right? That's that's a big thing on this podcast. Uh, so so I think we'll we'll enjoy both sides of the ball. See, that was me I, in I sixth might, grade too, so I fit the billing. I might be wrong. He, I think he's still the only quarterback to be ejected from a game for targeting as a quarterback uh, in, in 2018 <laughs> against Washington State. Sam Noy. I didn't know go. that happened. That's amazing. Yeah, he yes, he on a an interception return as you mentioned. He. Um, <laughs> I believe the man retired from football after that game. So, um, yeah, he plays the wood. For a second, I really thought you were going with the only guy to take a skate off and try to stab someone. Like, that's the sound that you were going, <laughs> like the uh, uh, the, the, the Billy Matt or the uh, Happy Gilmore there. But yeah, yeah. Um, that's that's intense. Okay, so we know uh, if, if one of our secondary gets it, you know, we should be sliding when we get to the quarterback on our run back. Um, all right, so what about <laughs> – what about uh, we talked QB? What about running back? It looks like Derek Broussard is is the guy, um, and he's he's doing pretty well. And I mean, and remember stats as we give them here, dear listeners, um, is across five games. Uh, Colorado, everyone played a shortened season. Colorado, as we've mentioned a little bit here, has only played five. Um, so 813 yards in five games is a real good clip. Three touchdowns uh, and about 130 attempts. So having a, a pretty solid season. What what are the thoughts there with uh, the running game and, and Derek Broussard? Yeah, Sam, Sam mentioned a little bit. He is definitely uh, the best long-run running back CU's had in, in quite some time. So he came out of really nowhere. The starting running back from last year, Alex Fondo, has had some hip problems, and he's been out all year. Um, Jarek Broussard coming off two ACL injuries has really not seen the field at all, and he started yeah. against UCLA. He wasn't but, even on the preseason depth chart. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, he basically he's, he's five nine. He's undersized, um, but he he runs like he isn't, and um, that might remind some people of Philip Lindsay, who's now the Broncos co-starter or whatever, um, who played it. He started CU as well. It, it's it's a really fun story to watch, um, and more importantly, he's just really good at running the football. So, I think he's averaging about 180 yards in conference games because, like you mentioned, even CU sort shortened season. They've had quite a few cancellations on them, despite um, keeping clean the COVID so far this yeah. year. So, he's second in the country in rushing yards per game after Jarrett Patterson at Buffalo. And uh, this was against Utah. He had 84 yards, but it was his first time 
under 100 yards the whole season. Fantastic. Interestingly um, enough, I, I believe he also only has – he has zero touchdowns after the first week, I think, which is also yeah, yeah. a little weird. <laughs> he had three against UCLA, and that's it. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So a, a running game like that means that your offensive line is at least solid, right? I think Colorado brought back two starters from a year ago, and, and they performed really well. I mean, again, a guy hitting – 800 yards in five games is, is quite impressive. So, um, you know, what 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 does the offensive line look like for, for Colorado? Again, they bring back two starters from last year. Again, at this point, it doesn't really matter if they were starters from last year because well, we're five games into the season. But I just talk to us a little bit about uh, that, about the offensive line unit because that's going to be, um, I think, a point of contention because Texas's defensive line is one of its strengths. So we, once, similarly to the running back position, we had no idea what to expect from the offensive line. Um, Mel Tucker, when he left, took the offensive line coach with him. And like you said, there was three graduating or um, three departing starters. So uh, CU made the unorthodox move of hiring a high school athletic director out of their offensive line coach. Who and he was, selling, he was selling like those like leverage pads on the side. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's how that's how he first came to Boulder, I believe, and that's part of the connection. Is he sold that blocking system to the current of <laughs> the line coach, who then left, oh, yeah, and then CU hired the guy that sold the system. But anyways, yeah, he's a uh, old. He used to he coached at University of Louisiana Lafayette way back when, um, and we had no idea what to expect. Turns out that he's actually solid. So um, despite having only two returning starters, despite having a fourth string center for three games and uh shuffling guards really they've done a good job pushing pushing the middle of the line i would say that the tackles despite both of them being in the program longer are a little more suspect um really the, the, tackles? the strength well i was i mean Sherman's you don't think will solid. sherman is good i think he's good i just think that the, i love this well i i guess yeah you're seeing you're seeing the magic of work here um i would say that yeah, I would say that they're better at least pulling Sherman inside and getting some of the power run game concepts. I think that pass blocking is less of a sure thing. Would you agree, I agree so? with that? Yeah, I agree with that. Okay. So that's yeah, where so I was, that's where I was trying to go with that. It's definitely power running game. And in, in so Texas is a repeat returner to the the uh, Alamo Bowl. Last year they played uh, Utah, who brought a really good squad, and I think similarly um, looked to establish a running game with a really talented uh, one of the better running backs in the country last year. Texas was able to implement a game plan to slow down the running game. So I think uh, that's what Texas will be looking to do. Obviously, Colorado looking to reverse that trend to find their success. If you guys um, can slow down Utah, you can slow down Colorado. <laughs> To be honest, yeah. Uh, Tom Herman loves a bowl game. But typically, as we joked off of the top, Tom Herman likes to take a good month, really get there, you know, kind of sit down in the tub, marinate on it, get that game plan going. So this is a, a pretty quick turnaround. It's almost like a regular season, which he's not quite as good at. So uh, who knows if the if the uh, Herman bowl magic will will give the, the perfect game plan to shut it down. But they have had some success, obviously, against some pretty good uh, Big 12 runners and, and Brees Hall and and uh, Chuba Hubbard and, and uh, the likes of those. West Virginia had a good running attack as well. So, um, you know, I think we we kind of understand the matchup, right, Jared? I, I would say we understand the offensive line versus the defensive line. Texas linebackers needing to be in there. Texas secondary looking to be opportunistic against uh, a quarterback who can be a who used to be one cold. of them. It's, uh, that's right, and knows how they think. Um, but on the other side of the ball, 
Uh, all that I really know about the Colorado defense is that the best named player and probably the best player on the team, Nate Landman, which again, sounds like a guy who works for an oil company in Denver, Colorado. Um, Nate Landman, uh, team leading 53 tackles is out with an ACL injury. So what does the state of this CU defense look like uh, coming into the bowl game? Yeah, he, he, he was the heart and soul of that team before. Yeah, he, he got hurt against Utah. And really, CU had been winning their last two or three games by the strength of their defense, by the bend-don't-break type of thing, uh, getting to the quarterback, causing some turnovers. And then their run defense was stellar until he tore his Achilles. And everything fell apart against Utah, and Ty Jordan just ran all over CU. And so that, that sucked. But without him in the inside, the defensive line is still pretty strong. Uh, Terrence Lang and Mustafa Johnson are really, really good. Uh, so they're they're going to cause some trouble. You mentioning Ty Jordan is a triggering for me. That's exactly where my I'm just going to be honest with went. you. He was he was coming to he Texas. Flipped. He flipped. Yeah, he flipped to Utah like right before signing day. And I'm super triggered by that. Now, um, go ahead. he's really good. <laughs> I mean, I was going to say Texas flips have hurt CU recently. I think Eno Benjamin was the first one that just completely gashed CU, and then Ty Jordan after. It's it's tough. You guys need to keep those dudes. <laughs> Those are two names. The Eno Benjamin thing is weird because they, if you were in the BLN Slack channel, our recruiting guy Daniel Seahorn would be singing the praises of Eno Benjamin, and he still doesn't know why Texas went the way that they went instead of Eno Benjamin. But yeah, that's that's two guys that I'm sorry that we sent to the Pac-12. It's it's all <laughs> it's all te- that that's the central theme. It's Texas's fault. It's just Texas's fault. So well, we don't have to talk about all the quarterbacks who skip Texas. <laughs> we talked we talk about that in our Tuesday show. Uh, that yeah, um, we're just sending them all over there. Got. Cam Rising and now Jaquin and Jackson and you know what Charlie Brewer is even from Austin. He's not a he's not a Texas player, but he's from Austin. So that's three for you. Dad, Grandpa, and Uncle all played at Texas. So that's basically what we're calling. You know, the announcers did it when Texas played Baylor, calling him a a, a Longhorn legacy at the very least. So yeah, pretty much the uh, it used to be you go to SMU to finish if you play it. Texas. If you don't play at Texas, you just go to the Pac-12, and it looks like Utah right now is the landing spot du jour. Um, so you mentioned getting after the quarterback. I think uh, Carson Wells is is the guy there. Is there any other names uh, Texas fans should be should be looking out for? None that Sam didn't mention. I think Carson Wells is a big is definitely the the leading sack getter. He's he's I think first in the country in tackles for loss per game, um, which is hard with the sample size of five. But he's definitely. <laughs> active um past that it's going to be on the defensive line for the most part so terrence lang and, and mustafa johnson will move around he'll disrupt um but really those are the three main guys that that will that will push the pocket now that landman who was also leading the team in sacks is uh is out for the year oh that I said mean, the last time carson wells was in texas he got killed at the end of no country for old men so i'm not really sure Wait, is there a character named Carson Wells in No Country for Old Men? Yeah, it's, uh, what's his face, his name? Woody Harrelson's character. Okay, well, spoiler alert for that 13-year-old movie. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Noted. No, it's good. It's good. That's, that's, yeah, that's, a, that's a fantastic poll. That's, uh, that has just been highlighted for my in-game tweets. Kyle and I saw that movie, I think, my senior year at Texas, because that's how old we are. Um, so, it's the perfect movie. 
Yes, no arguments here. All right. So, I mean, uh, uh, you, you mentioned it, Chenault, and obviously you're replacing him when his brother's on the team, but you also replaced Mel Tucker. And just since we have you on here, I'll say this. I feel like everything I heard and read was that it was going to be a pretty tough transition post-Mel Tucker and losing, you know, your best offensive player in, in a long time. And Chenault, um, you know, a lot of people had you all middle to lower, probably back 12 in the, you know, 100 range of the, the preseason kind of rankings are at least 80 to 90. So I, I think outside looking in would call this an over uh, uh, achieving, um, you know, type of season. And when that happens, you look at the coach, right? I think Texas fans have thought Tom Herman underachieved. You're in the opposite situation with Carl Durrell. Uh, how has the coaching been? I mean, to, from an outsider, it looks like it's been phenomenal. Are, are fans and, and people covering the team pretty, pretty thrilled with that? Uh, yes. So the answer is yes. And also surprised, I think, um, mm. like you said, I don't, the expectations weren't high. So you just picked last in the Pac-12 South and that's to be fair, par for the course since he was doing the Pac-12, but, um, it was hard. He got, he was hired about the second week in November or February. And then, you know, the second week of March, everything went to hell. So he really only had three weeks to hire staff, know the players they use currently, coaching uh in person before everything kind of had to scatter so really hard situation for him to come in and not only that it was a pretty public flirtation with some other candidates that didn't say yes to see you so he was coming in knowing he wasn't the top choice and he's, he's done a great job of making this team achieve above what people expected and i believe what they also expected from themselves um like you said best offensive weapon off the nfl starting quarterback gone starting running back out for the year um, there really wasn't a lot of returning production on the offensive side and the defensive side, you know, they weren't that good last year. So coming in, making sure they bowed their backs and, and, and finish games, um, with a winning record has been, it's been a nice breath of fresh air. I, I'll let Sam have add some thoughts at the end here, but basically I, I said this recently to a, a Arizona writer that asked, it's interesting. It's like, I, I don't know how to react to a, a competent coaching staff in all phases of the game because it, it hasn't happened at CU for like, <laughs> I don't know, 10 years. So it's nice to be like, oh, yeah, he had some gripes, but it seems like he manages players well, he manages minutes well, and it looks like CU is always in a position to win. So um, it's it's been a, a nice surprise, I think, this year. I wish it translated better on the recruiting trail, but I'll take the wins. One, yeah, I think that – Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say one usually turns into the other is, is what it seems like. Yeah. Yeah. We, we thought that we'd get a really good recruiting class after the 2016 year where we came out of nowhere to make the Alamo bowl. That didn't really happen too much, but um, yeah. So we're very excited with how well Carl Durrell has been. Uh, we are, we're a bit surprised to say the least. I think our over under in seven games was 1.5 wins and we didn't know which one it would be. Uh, <laughs> So that was it was a little rough, uh, but we've had some standout performances, like surprise performances up and down the roster. Like we thought, for instance, Isaiah Lewis, a safety, was going to be just a depth piece or a special teamer, and he's turned into the best player in the secondary. And so it's just like all kinds of stuff. Like Jared Broussard, not even on the depth chart, almost had a thousand yards in a six games. Um, so we're really happy with how it's going. It's also funny to see Mel Tucker go to Michigan State and have that team just at the bottom of the Big Ten, just getting blown out left and right. He just lost his top three recruits right before signing day, stuff like that. Yeah. 
I sure you t- I'm sure you take no pleasure in that. Um, you know, ever seeing you never want your ex to, to do better than you. Uh, I, I understand how that goes for sure. Nebraska's a lot bottom of the Big Ten, and Mel Tucker is, um, I don't know, he might be missing the friendly confines of Boulder a little bit. It's, it's been fun watching some Big Ten football this year. <laughs> I, I feel like you two, by the way, um, I'm loving your personality. I feel like you're going to be perfectly suited for our last segment here. We've talked football. That's good. People like that. But what they really come to this podcast for is the uh, the sports and entertainment side of the, uh, of the world, right? So, um, you know, I'm just going to give a quick recap, and then we'll jump into this section. This is an all-time series. It hasn't happened since Colorado uh, left the Big 12. The last two matchups, 38-14, to 14, weirdly, in both 08 and 09, same score. Um, they've met twice in a Big 12 championship game, so postseason, technically, uh, games. Colorado won one of those. Um, pretty close. I won't bring up what the score was of the, the, the last time they, they, they met in the postseason. Um, we'll just say a lot to a little, right? I think you that's fair. It. You can say it. 70 to three. Um, so I, I, I think that's fair. <laughs> Poor Joel Klatt himself uh, said on air when he was covering a Texas game that uh, someone tweets that at him every year on the anniversary, which is just savage. And I, and I feel bad. So we are going to keep it a little more light, light and a little more civil. And, and we've been calling this segment when we've had guests on in our season previews for the regular season, hook them. Um, I, I, I hate that name, but we'll, we'll keep it one more time. We could change it next year. Um, so, so now to hook them, um, I'm going to go ahead and, and, and start with the place that I, I most um, I most set up, right? So I just told you 70-3. to three. But do you know, in 05, they played in the regular season as well. Your best guess, I'll let you each guess, and then I'll tell you the correct answer. The total point spread in two games in 2005 between Colorado University and the University of Texas in their two. Remember, only two games that were played. And we can start. Let's start with Sam. Man, I have no idea. Was that was not the year that we played in the Big Ten, Big Twelve championship, was it? Yeah. So in, in oh, 2005, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. we played twice in the Big Twelve championship as well as in the regular season. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with 96 point difference. Okay. Huh? In All in right. favor of Texas, obviously. And Jack, you have the advantage of going second, and I'll now tell you this is Price is Right ruled. So uh, 96 is the bar set. If you choose to go over, under, whatever, but uh, that that is that is the score set by Sam. What are you thinking? Well, I'm I'm looking back at I'm I'm remembering back. I'm trying to think. So Colorado was the the chosen bad team out of that Big Twelve North division, which was not a good division. <laughs> that the Big Twelve South had way more talent. Oh, geez, I think Colorado was seven and six at the end of that year, and they weren't great. I'm pretty sure they lost like five straight games that end of the season. Uh, yeah, and I, I know that Missouri game was just truly awful that year. Oh, man. I'm going to guess. Oh. Yeah, but it was not pretty, man. It, I'm trying to remember. Like, that was the last of the Gary Barnett years, and that was that was when they had, we were waning on talent. I'm going to guess 73, that's a 67-point spread. I don't think they lose by – I'm going to guess uh, 80, 85, 85. All right, so because I added the caveat of the prices right rules, they pretty much split it. It is 92. It is a total of 112 to 20 wow. for two games. And so uh, yes. due to the prices rules caveat, J- uh, Jack technically takes that over Sam. Uh, well played from both of you, though. And again, to our fans, just remember that's 92 points in the same year in two games only. <laughs> now, much like our prediction contest, Kyle changed the rules midstream <laughs> to to heavily favor one or one of the other candidates. It's fine. It's totally fine. Something that I 
something that I carried throughout our entire season preview is a wrestling theme. And so I found a random connection to every school on our schedule. It was easier for CU. Big Bad Vader, if you're a 90s wrestling fan, is a Colorado Buffalo. If you don't know who Big Bad Vader is, Google him. Uh, But he's from Colorado. He's He's a CU Buffalo. So if there was one player on the Colorado football team that has a future in professional wrestling, what would their ring name be? And bonus question, what would their finisher be called? I know who it would be, but I don't know what he would be called. Start. We'll start there. We can workshop it. I think it would have to be Jalen Sami. He's, <laughs> you would love yeah, him. He came to guess. campus as a true freshman who weighed like 390 pounds. Good, good. And he had to slim six, down. Six, now, six. Yeah, now he's 6'6", 325, sophomore. Just mean as hell. Really good. You're going to see him a lot. Where's number 99? High school, high school volleyball player. So he has oh. some limberness. <laughs> got the leaps. Yeah. It's amazing. amazing. The rare big boy high flyer. I love it. He plays the ukulele and the piano. Any chance What's we the... get him on the podcast? He sounds incredible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guys would also like... i uh, name. We have a, an oh. offensive lineman who's an opera singer. Uh, but he just he just like broke his leg a couple of games ago, so you won't see him. But Chance Lionel is cool as hell. So they so they would probably be a tag team, and I'll just throw out the name Musical Mayhem for them is what I'd probably Ooh. throw out. There. Oh, <laughs> I like good. that. That's, that's good. good. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I wonder if you, I, you could do the harmonizers if you do harm in all caps, like they're gonna do. You oh, harm, you know what I'm talking about? oh, now that's, that's even better. I'm just saying right here, I know Vince McMahon listens to this podcast, longtime listener. You might have just found a new... I'm completely lying. That's not true. Uh, you might have just found a new writer. Uh, again, wrestling's completely real, um, but they do, for whatever reason, have writers. So uh, Jack Barsh, I believe. Uh, so Vince McMahon, hit him up uh, on, on Twitter. You got a job offer coming your way. That's fantastic. That's probably the best set of responses we've had all year oftentimes you know people can get the guy but i mean we we had the built-in naming rights that's i'm i'm unbelievably impressed with with your your quick pull out there so let me ask I'm you my, next thing. my lawyer we're already good we're, we're, i'm getting it ready <laughs> to go right now i love it man that's fantastic so uh, my next question and this is one that literally has just entertained me since it was announced in i think october have each of you placed your school mandated bets on the on colorado buffaloes with uh, official sponsor points bet that's right dear listeners the colorado athletic department is officially partnered and sponsored by points bet tell us uh sam i don't know i don't know if you have um take done your duty as a buffalo and gamble <laughs> on on college sports but um i can't, I know I I can't I gamble okay well there you it's go haram. <laughs> okay see these are these it sounds like you're not fulfilling your points bet duty which is fine i'll, I'll do enough for both of us <laughs> Um, the answer is yes, I have. I have used points bet among other things. Um, and I, I thank the great state of Colorado for legalizing sports gambling. It's, been a, it's been a pretty good year. Talk to us about how that feels. Cause like, I thought it was unbelievable when Texas got alcohol in our stadium, like, wow, beer and college football in the stadium, but they went entirely another, another level and just sponsored with a, with a betting company. Like it, it, was that mind blowing when you heard that news? You know, Rick George, uh, who's the athletic director for Colorado, he came in from biz- sports business background um, after okay. serving at you know, 
I guess he was hired at Colorado's recruiting coordinator in the early 90s. Went to he actually ran the Texas Rangers on the business side for a while. Comes back to Colorado and um, he's always done things to try to make. It, it made sense to be like, yeah, he's going to try to make some money back after after the pandemic basically forced everything to close. I think what you said is interesting, though. What I want to see is next year when this still happens and the synergy between drinking at stadiums and also having an official uh, sports gambling sponsor at stadiums. I want to see if they can just say like, hey, have two beers and also a free bet. Because boy, howdy, there's going to be some easy losers in that group. Just a That's... sports book in the stadium. It feels like the right move, right? God, I hope so. That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we went off the rails a little bit. So um, another, another fact that I didn't know I found out via Googling. Don Cheadle went to high school in Colorado. Graduated from high school in Colorado. So on the spot. Where did he oh, go? Denver East Angels. What? Denver East High School. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, the largest high school in DPS. Go Angels. Anyway, go. go ahead. <laughs> so, yeah, so Don Cheadle, Denver, Colorado. So, my question to you, I host another podcast that's about nerd stuff, so I need to know. Gun to your head, favorite Avenger. Real quick, go. Uh, Well, not Hawkeye. Um, if we're talking <laughs> yeah. original cast, if we're talking, like, OGs, it's going to be Thor or Spider-Man. Because Spider-Man, I think, was in the original Avengers comic book run, if I remember right. Is Zendaya um, an Avenger? Is who? Zendaya? Does she count? Oh, from the Spider-Man movie? Yeah. <laughs> Who does she play again? I don't know. The she's 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 the not Mary Jane, Mary Jane of that Spider-Man universe. I'll pick her. No, it doesn't count. <laughs> Sam, oh my god. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, I'm going I'm going Spider-Man. Um and if we're if we're expanding the Avengers slots, oh geez Louise. I don't know. That's a tough one. Um uh, probably Iron Man second. I like I like a good Tony Stark. It's fair. It's fair. I, I enjoyed the last. I enjoyed the last Spider-Man movies. Who didn't? <laughs> I, All right. That's some good insight, Sam. That's <laughs> no, also, we're, we're, I love that y'all I, are learning about each other. Uh, can I tell you part. something about Big Big Vader? Yes. He was Young second White. team. He was second team All American as a CU lineman. I didn't know that. He was pretty good. He 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 won, he won an, an NFL championship ring. He was on the IR, but what was drafted, I think, in the third round, and and won a NFL championship before going into the WWE. So, '90s wrestling. That's that's. I don't watch it anymore, but that's my wheelhouse. Is Zendaya also your favorite '90s wrestler, Sam? <laughs> <laughs> was Rey Mysterio active in the '90s? Let's call it early 2000s, but maybe late '90s. We'll, we'll, we'll loop him in. Okay, because that's my guy. Him and the Great Khali. Those are my guys. Allowable. I'll like. We'll let. We'll let. We'll let it work. We'll let it work. So, so fellas, I, we're having fun, but we do. We know you've got lives, and so we're gonna close it out. But man, if people want to find more of what you've got going on, where can they find you, folks, on the internet? We 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 do have a podcast together. It's called At the Buzzer, which we do whenever we feel like, I guess. Um, and that would be on RalphieReport.com. <laughs> um, I'm not giving out my personal Twitter account because I, uh, you you guys don't want to see that. <laughs> A, a Zendaya Stan account. We got it. That's all. <laughs> that's all. <It's> just... <laughs> no, that's one of his other alt accounts. He's got like 50 of them. Um, Burners I, Yeah, similarly, Ralphie Report is where you can find anything that I, I do that's worth doing. Um, and then my Twitter is it's easy. It's just my name, Jack Barsh. Um, B-A-R-S-C-H. It's very German. It means perch the fish. It's the last name for you. So... Um, it's not complicated. It's going to all be about CU basketball. And then at times I'll talk about CU football, but that's where you can find anything that I write. I do have a question for you guys. Yeah. 
if someone told you that Texas was going to be playing Colorado in a bowl game before the season, what would you have thought had happened? You want to go first, Gerald, or me? You you can go first, Kyle. You, you can go I, first, I would Kyle. assume that uh, COVID took down half the team. Um, they medically retired half of the team, one side, offense or defense, either way. Um, and half our coaching staff, you know, was fired because of it. Um, I like I said, I didn't have a lot of thoughts for Colorado in the preseason. I, I read some reviews early on just scanning the Pac-12 and, and again, saw them predicted in the lower half. So again, I would have assumed, um, you know, either really bad on Texas or just the the most underrated team of all time who, who came out and had an overachieving year. So there you go. Maybe the latter, in fact, is true, but I would have thought the, the, the former. When did they make the announcement that basically anybody that wanted to could play in a bowl game this year? When did that happen? Was, was that before preseason? Yeah. Pac-12 still does not have that rule. You have to be over yeah, the Pac-12. To over <laughs> so I think I would have tragic Lime Scooter accident with Sam Ellinger riding around campus probably would be the first thing that I saw. Uh, would be my indication that Sam Ellinger hurt himself on the Lime Scooters, which, by the way, City of Austin, if you finally want to get rid of the Lime Scooters, have a football player get hurt. Happened to the baseball team. They were not as good as they could have been because that guy got hurt. So if you want to get rid of the Lime Scooter, City of Austin, give the football players free passes. One of them will get hurt, and those things will be gone in 12 hours. Now, I might be misreading the room, but is another way to get rid of the Lime Scooters to say that Tom Herman officially endorses them? (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, as as our athletic director said in the softest worded press release ever, Tom Herman is still our football coach. Um, which is a ringing endorsement for anybody's job security moving forward. But Tom Herman is our football coach. Um, That's all I can say. That's really all I can say about the coaching situation at Texas. Being the coach at the University of Texas comes with certain media obligations. We're very used to our coaches endorsing many products. For Mac Brown, it was the beautiful Casitas that he was selling uh, or advertising on the University of Texas Men's Golf Club. Um, but we are we are very uh, used to and have, have learned to tune out our coaches shilling uh, various things. So uh, I, I don't know if that would have moved the needle enough, the, the Lime Scooter endorsement. But I, I, I like where your head's at. I was following along a little bit on some of that uh, drama, and it, it, this was the wrong time for Chris Del Conte to have his name shortened because every time I saw a CDC talk about the Texas coaching search, I was thinking, you have so much more important things to be talking about right now, Center of Disease and Control. What are you doing? I mean, they could have just gone to any Texas message board, and that would have been appropriate people to, to handle what's going on on most of those things most days of the week. Both are ridden with the virus, with a virus. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. So I will, I will, I will close this out there. We will, we will let y'all get out of here. I wish you luck in the bowls to come. Uh, the, the, the final note. I will give two notes. I will give two notes. I love Chauncey Billups, the greatest Colorado Buffalo in my mind. I just want to remind you when Chauncey Billups daughter chose to play soccer, she chose the university of Texas. Second, the last time that the Colorado Buffaloes met the university of Texas Longhorns in a bowl game, it was something called the blue bonnet bowl in 1975 in the university of Texas won that game. So I'm on record as predicting Texas have won the last 
uh, bowl game and the last time they played in a Big 12 championship game. So I'm predicting Texas with the win. Let's let's give each of uh, the predictions from our guests here, and then we will uh, we will usher you uh, offline out the door. We'll start with Jack this time since Sam had to go first last time. What are your predictions? Well, um, you know, I don't think that Colorado is a great team. Um, I don't – but the, I don't know. What's the saying? Good teams win, great teams cover. I, I think in that way – Colorado will be a great team. I don't think they'll win. I do think they'll cover the twelve point spread. So I'm going to bet a uh, let's do a seven seven point Texas victory. I'm going to go thirty four twenty seven. Nice, spoken like a true points better. Uh, Thank you. I think yep. another, another million dollars to Colorado with that with that reference. Yeah, I don't see how CU wins unless Texas is sleeping, which would be really nice if all those opt outs really hurt you guys. Maybe Sam Ellinger got a little that scooter hurt injury. <laughs> I think it's 31-20 Texas wins. But CU does cover that cover. spread. Yeah, they'll cover. Awesome. Love it. Well, fellas, I really appreciate you guys uh, taking some time out to hang out with us. We'll end on something we can all agree on. Eric Bieniemy needs to be a head football coach somewhere within the Thank next you. Months. Boy, I, I, who lives in Houston out of you two again? Someone, someone's a Houston Texans fan or has I, the opportunity to be a I, Houston Texans. How do you not hire Eric Bieniemy, man? Because the the my wife, the most diehard Houston Texans fan, cringes every time I, I mention, oh, the Texans general manager did, said, announced. Anytime that those words come out, it's the wrong thing. <laughs> oh, um, he's a cartoon villain. And the thing is, it wasn't just Rick Smith. They keep replacing him, and each guy is just as inept. Um, so, yeah, the, 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 the Texans are, you know, they, they are comically bad. With great players, they are comically um, just drill their, their you know, could be great team into the ground. It is, you know, it's, it, it, this is going to be my final note, I guess. The NFL team that Chris Brown, former running back Colorado, who ran all over the Tex, Texas Longhorns in 2001 Big 12 championship game, uh, he played for the Houston Texans and, in fact, started a few games. There you go. Near the end of his I, career. I have a, so that, that's I have my a football card from them. <laughs> Love it. Uh, awesome, fellas. Thank you so much, man. We, uh, we look forward to uh, look forward to the game, and we'll, uh, we'll hopefully hear from you again. Yeah, thanks for having us. Tons of fun. Yeah, thanks, guys. Absolutely. Buzz! 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 <laughs>